We're going to look at two verses briefly, and then we're going to just review and go into some new scriptures. Genesis chapter 18, Genesis chapter 18, and Hebrews 13. When you find Genesis 18, you can stand. You're going to read a few verses. Last week we talked about angels, and we pointed out that they're created beings. And uh, we pointed out that they're guardians, that they're smart, they're swift, they're strong. And then we also pointed out that demons are fallen angels. They rebelled and God casts them down to the earth. Some are uh, waiting to be judged. Chapter 18 of Genesis, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, and lifted up his eyes. And he looked, and lo, three men stood by him. When he saw them, he ran out to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. And of course, he feeds the Lord, and here are these three other men. Look over in Hebrews chapter 13, or if you're not there, don't worry, I'm going to read this. It says, Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. We pointed out that angels are real, real beings. And the New Testament says we can have them in our presence and not even be aware of that. And, uh, and a lot of people, uh, you know, doubt that there are angels and some doubt they're actually ministering today, but they are. Uh, they're not the same as we are. They don't have a soul. They don't understand salvation. They inquire, but we're uh, made in the image of God, body, soul, and spirit. But I thank God for angels and for God's uh, uh, protection uh, of us uh, by His uh, force of angels. Bless God, Your Word. We need You every hour. We certainly need You this hour. Lord, maybe we're in the last moments of the last days. We know You're always at work, and we pray, come Lord Jesus. But in the meantime, we're here We ask you to bless us. We thank you for the guardian angels you've uh, sent our way. Bless now in Jesus' name, amen. We pointed out last week they're messengers. They're, you know, Michael's a warrior, and some believe Lucifer was a musician based on a passage in the Old Testament where it talks about different musical instruments, and, and we've talked about all that last week. Angels are mentioned 275 times in your Bible. To Jesus, they predicted and announced his birth. They protected him. They strengthened him after the temptation, and and in Gethsemane strengthened him, and of course they rolled away the stone. So they had a big part in the ministry of Jesus. To believers, we're going to look at two passages. Turn to Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 12, and then we'll look at Acts chapter 27. Last week I was accused of going way too fast, and I know I did that, so I'm going to try and slow down. Acts chapter 12 and verse 7. This is a great story, isn't it? Here's Peter, and uh, says, Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and get your sandals on, and get out of here, basically. Acts chapter 12. Look at Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. Verses 23 and 24. We find in Acts 27, we, we know this, there's a, a storm comes Paul's way. So we talked about Peter a moment ago. Here's Paul. Verse 23, 
Uh, obviously, he's calming everyone, said that no one's going to drown, no one's going to die. And then he says, for there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Now, the expression, the angel of the Lord, is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. But we still see the, uh, the, the concept of God appearing even after, even after the resurrection and appearing as the angel of the Lord. So he appears as an angel. Then we note to the nations in Revelation 8, 9, 10, and Matthew 24 and 25. We know that he judges nations. We're not going to turn to those passages, but we know he judges nations. Then he also ministers to the lost. Look at Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. Verses 6 and 7. Revelation 14, 6 and 7. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Verse 7. Saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. So here an angel is reminding them to to fear God, to worship God. In Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We'll look about 10 verses tonight in Matthew chapter 13, verse 39. Matthew 13, 39. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. So here they are, uh, you know, in the end of the world, we know the harvest and, and the reapers, the ones that reap are the angels. Of course, they know, we know in Genesis chapter 19, verse 13, the angels came and announced judgment upon Sodom. And then Acts chapter 12, verse 23. Acts chapter 12, verse 23. I know we're going rather quickly, and I'll say some things to kind of tie this together, but in Acts chapter 12, in verse 23. It's interesting to me how the Lord appeared so often as an angel throughout the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord. When you see that phrase, that's a Christophany. That's Christ prior to his birth. It's a theopany, if you want to call it that, an appearance of God. But how did he appear? As an angel. And then we have his servant angels as well. Now the difference is Jesus Christ is also the Son of Man, the Son of God, and God in the flesh. But we find here in Acts now, chapter 12 and verse 23. Herod here is in in the text and the Bible says in verse 23 he's he he gave uh, he gave glory he received glory for himself for something God had done and in verse 23 and immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost that's kind of gruesome but God smote him and uh again uh we see the influence of uh, of the angel of the Lord and his angels in our lives. Angels are interesting because they have intellect, emotions, and will. We pointed out last week in Peter that uh, they had intellect. They were inquiring about the things of God. We know in Jude 6 they had a will because they chose to rebel against God. But look at Luke 2.13. Uh, Luke also wrote Acts. Luke chapter 2 and verse 13.
We know the birth of Jesus and the shepherds, and the Bible says in 2.13, here they have emotions. It says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. Most scholars believe these are angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So there's this heavenly host just praising the Lord. And uh, here uh, we move on to, to Mark, or to Hebrews, excuse me, we want to mention their spirit beings. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 14. <clears throat> it says here, it's talking about angels. And anytime he said, verse 13, and then verse 14, he's talking about angels. He said, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? We're the heirs of salvation, and they constantly minister unto us. There are perhaps billions we don't know. There, the Bible says there, you can't number the amount of angels, but they protect us. There's no doubt that, you know, when Candy went down the side of that bank, that the angels just protected her and stopped that car from rolling over. It wasn't her time yet. This, Satan would like to have killed her, but he has to seek God's permission to touch us and to harm us. And so uh, the angels protected her. And, and we find their ministering spirits. Mark 12, 25 tells us that angels cannot reproduce. In other words, angels don't bring about other angels. Now, there's quite a good argument, and I'm trying to avoid some of these real difficult challenges this, this evening, but, you know, back in Genesis, and, and we know the sons of God, and there's a big argument over whether those are believers or those are, you know, angels. And, and, and there's a lot, a lot, a lot to be said there, but, we, we know certain facts about angels, other things we're not too sure. But we know that um, they, they are God's created beings and they have a task to do. And many of them have already been judged. Uh, did they, uh, you know, did they have relations with people and bring about these giants, the sons of Anak and those other people? I don't know. I've read and studied, and years ago I was so sure, and then years later I changed my position. I was so sure, and now I don't know. I think that's what happens. You get older, you start to say, it's just not clear enough for me. But we know they they are beings that God created to serve and worship Him. Now look at chapter 22 of Revelation. Chapter 22 of Revelation. Because uh, it's very important for us to understand that angels are not to be worshipped. Colossians says that many go astray worshipping angels. So that violates Scripture, the, the worship of angels. And here in Revelation chapter 22, verse 6, it says here, And he saith unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the, of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. And verse 7 Verse, oh, I want to drop down to verse 8, excuse me. And I, John, saw these things and heard them, and when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Now, each passage you have to really, it's challenging to figure out whether this is the Lord or an angel, but this is obviously not the Lord here. And here's why we know. Look at verse 9. John falls down to worship, and what happens? Then saith he unto me, See thou, do it not, for I am thy fellow servant. Now, Michael Mass is the worship of angels. And I'm not picking on the Catholic Church, but you know they have an actual day set aside where they have a Mass to worship angels. 
And the Bible makes it very clear that we're not to worship angels. You know, we're not supposed to, you know, reverence, you know, uh, idols either. But you, you go into, you know, the Catholic Church, and again, I'm not picking on them, but how many people go in there and go to a statue and they bow down before that graven image and they, they reverence that statue. And we know that that's just a, a product of the man, the hands of man. Angels aren't to be worshipped. The only thing we ever worship in our life is our Lord. That's it, not angels. And so here it's very clear, we do not worship angels. We mentioned last week, using some other scripture, that they were very strong. Angels are very strong. Second Peter talks about that. And Luke talks about the fact that they're infinite. But we'll look at Second Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. Whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not rallying accusation against them before the Lord. Angels are more powerful than we are. However, physically, if we had to do battle with an angel, they have supernatural powers. But why do we have enough power in our life? Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So fallen angels, which are demons, while they're super powerful and instantly intellectual and they can move quickly to and fro, we have a greater power within us. And I'm not saying physically that means we can, you know, physically do battle with them. We're in spiritual warfare. We, we learn that from the book of Ephesians. We wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Those are fallen angels we call demons. And we, we made it very clear that anytime you read in scripture about other gods or false gods, we know that there's only one true God and all these other gods are simply empowered if they are empowered by fallen angels, by demons. That's why the Egyptians could do some magic and do certain things, and that's why the enemy can possess someone like the, the, the maniac in Scripture and have control over them. He's evil. He can, he can possess them, but he can't possess a child of God because the Holy Spirit is in us, and he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake us. He's our enemy, but you don't have to fear him. You have to resist him, resist the fallen uh, angels, and realize you have an invisible army of angels protecting you as well. So we have fallen angels and good angels, and they both have similar traits. The difference is the fallen angels rebelled against God. We know in Luke chapter 20, Luke chapter 20, verse 36, they're infinite. And Luke 20, 36, or I would say they're going to live forever in, in judgment. Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto angels, which are the, which are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. So he's talking about, um, marriage and so forth in the resurrection. We talked about a little of this this morning in a whole different subject, but we know that, that angels, the Bible says here in, uh, verse 36, that, uh, the angels are, 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 you know, aren't going to die anymore. When the angels were put into judgment, that's where they'll stay forever and ever. Angels that are running, fall, excuse me, the fallen angels. When angels that, that now are, the fallen angels now that are running to and fro and causing havoc, they're going to be judged and cast into the eternal lake of fire with the beast and the false prophet. And guess who else is going to be cast there one day? 
Satan. He'll be bound for a thousand years. And then he'll be uh, raised and he'll be released and he'll turn all the nations of the world against the, the millennial nation, Israel. And we believe we'll rule and reign with them if, if we're faithful in this life. So he's going to be released. And what is he going to do? He's going to oppose God and try and rally all the enemy armies against God. And God's going to defeat him and bind him and cast him forever and ever. And that'll be the end of evil. And that's a great thing to look forward to. And we don't have all the answers. But we, we know some things and we're confident that God's going to judge and deal with them. And then seraphims, look at Isaiah chapter 6 and verses 1 to 3. Isaiah chapter 6 and verses 1 to 3. Here, he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord, and of course it's Yahweh, the four capital letters there, sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered the feet, and with twain he did fly. And then one cried at another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And, and seraphims really have to do with the worship of God. They're angelic beings. And this is where we get the idea of winged creatures. You know, when they built the seraphims to uh, rest on the Ark of the Covenant. They had winged. They were winged creatures. And that really just basically lets us know they're angels. They're not men because men don't have wings. But I don't really know if they have wings and you don't either. We know that image is in our mind. But they can appear as people. Now, I don't know how many stories I've heard over the years. Some of them I believe and some of them I don't. But angels can actually appear to us. And they are there during those difficult times of trouble. We believe we have guardian angels. And then cherubims, back in Genesis chapter 3, we find these are guarding the holiness of God in Genesis chapter 3. Verses 22 and really to verse 24. Verse 24 is the main verse. But it says here in verse uh, chapter 3 verse 24. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned away, which turned every, every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So he drove man out and he set up a guard so no one could enter into the garden of Eden. Isn't that interesting? And I suppose that was there and maybe till the flood. I don't know. I hear so many different things about the garden of Eden and, and that story. A guy named Jimmy DeYoung, I don't agree with him, but he's a good man. He said the Garden of Eden was in Jerusalem. And he talks about, you know, some of the water systems under the city of Jerusalem. Well, I'm kind of a literalist, and I believe the River Euphrates, and uh, I believe the Garden of Eden was over near the River Euphrates, and the, uh, uh, I forgot the other name of the other river. Uh, the Euphrates is going to dry up. What's well, Tigris River, I'm sorry. So I believe it's in that more in that region. But I don't know. The flood changed all that. But we know that, God did protect uh, the entrance and didn't let anybody get in there to get near the tree. And uh, I, I thought, why hasn't Harrison Ford done a movie about that, you know? Uh, I didn't see all those movies. I didn't see the Raiders of the Lost Ark about, what, 40 years ago? And uh, interesting how twists, they twist Scripture around. But this, this is interesting to me, the guarding of the gate of the Garden of Eden. 
Do I believe the garden still exists there? I don't think so, but if the garden is still over there somewhere, then they probably still exist to not let people know where that is. And and all these things we are really uh, kind of guessing at sometimes. We don't really know the answers to all those things. Where's the Garden of Eden? If we knew, we'd all go there, wouldn't we? We'd have great tours there. Let's go to the Garden of Eden. Uh, and I had a guy come up to me and years ago, a couple years ago, and said, the fruit was figs because he, he had them. They covered themselves with fig leaves. So that means the forbidden fruit were, were figs. And I said, well, you know, you really don't know that. Oh, he was insisting on it. And that's a neat idea, but we just don't know. Several things we do know. Angels are real. God sent them to protect us. They're not like you with body, soul, and spirit. They can't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and be born again like you can. So we are created in the image of God. And I'm not saying anything negative about angels because I'm thankful for them, but we are created as a higher being. Did you know that? Because we're made in the image of God. Um. I see TV advertisements about animals. People just think animals are, they're so all worked up and concerned. And, and I think cruelly to animals is wrong. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But animals are not the same as mankind. They don't have a living soul. They can't possess the Lord. I love my little dog, but my dog's not going to be in heaven. Even though Walt Disney says maybe he'll be there or she'll be there, it's not going to happen. But we are created in the image of God, and I'm thankful for that. Of course, when Adam fell, mankind sinned, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're sinners, and we have to be redeemed. And if we're not redeemed, uh, we're, we're headed to hell. And, and, and so we do have the opportunity to be saved, but not all men will be saved. But I'm thankful for angels. And remember, we talked about both Ezekiel and Isaiah last week and talked about those passages about Satan falling from heaven and all that. We talked about those passages really being about a literal person, king of Tyre, and in another case, the king of Babylon, but a type of, of, uh, of Satan falling and probably is why we're given that scripture to, to understand how Satan fell. And I was, I shared with you Feinberg and Merle Unger and Charles Ryrie and Spiros Zodiades and Woodrow Kroll and Edward Hinson all say those speak of Satan falling. It's kind of a new trend saying, well, that, those aren't about Satan falling. But I'm still inclined to believe those are great types for us to understand how God dealt with the enemy. Cast him out of heaven. Cast his fallen angels, demons down. And tonight I've been using demons and angels interchangeably. You understand the difference. Demons were fallen angels who rebelled against God. Angels are our are, are guardians. Thank God for that and protect us and watch over us. You know, Satan can only be in one place at a time. The Lord is omnipresent. Satan's powerful, but the Lord's all powerful. Satan's wise, but the Lord is all knowing. And the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Well, thank God for angels. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you tonight for your ministering spirits, for the messenger Gabriel and Michael and how he was a warrior for you. And, and Lord, we thank you for all the angels you've provided us uh, to protect us and watch over us. Lord, most of all, we Thank you, Father, for your Son, Jesus, the angel of the Lord, who we also see tonight appearing
and, and ministering as well. And uh, how he is the son of God and never sinned, died for our sin. We thank you for that. Bless now and in Jesus' name, amen. If you need to come and pray, we're going to sing a, a song.